So we're talking about the four cups. Last week we were discussing the Jews, how that they have during the Passover, a call, something called the Seder celebration, where they took four cups signifying their freedom from Egypt. God said something very appropriate to them in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6 and 7. He said, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I bring you out up from the uh, burdens of the Egyptians, I will rescue you from their bondage, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now these four core promises are applicable to you and I today as well. We can get four promises out of this for us as new covenant people. Praise God. Last week, we talked about the cup of salvation. He says, I will bring you out. He did bring them out. That was God's rescue and relocation program. Likewise, you and I have been rescued out of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. God's relocation plan. Amen. Think about it. Now you and I are raised up together and we're made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And this first cup that we partake of has to do with salvation. It gives unto us eternal life with God the Father. And you know, it is something that God already did the heavy lifting for us. It's a free gift. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now the second cup that we talked about was the cup of freedom. He said, I'm going to rescue you from their bondage. Now even though the children of Israel came out of Egypt, many of them, because they had a wilderness mentality, still had a lot of the world or Egypt in them. And God's plan for all of us is once we come out of darkness, praise God, that we walk in the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus not only came to be your Savior, but He also came to be your Deliverer. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, we read this last week, He said, And He brought us out from thence, that He might bring us in to a land which he swear unto our fathers. So the principle there is, he brought us out, praise God, in order to bring us in. He wanted and desired to bring them into the promised land. And you and I have been given exceeding great and precious promises. And once we partake of these promises, we can experience true freedom. You see, the promised land for you and I represents freedom. And one big area that we all can enjoy freedom in is we can enjoy freedom from the reservations about the future. Amen. No anxiety, no fear about the future. We are going to face our future in faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Now we all know that these are uncertain days, you know, and there's all sorts of issues going on. You could rehearse them today, economic, political, domestic scene, all sorts of things happening. Yes, the world is falling apart, but we are not of this world. 
We are from another world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And you and I have been separated and sanctified, thank God, from this world's failing system. Now, Jesus warned us and he said, now notice, in the world you're going to have some trouble. But then he says, don't fret, don't fear, don't have any anxiety, but be of good cheer. Why, Jesus? Because I have already overcome the world for you. I've deprived it of its power and it will not hurt you in any way or any fashion or any form. Oh, glory to God. And I like what Brenda says on a regular basis. We may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And so why not just live a life free from fear? Why not just live a life free from the cares of this world? Roll all your cares on him. And if those cares try to come back, and if there's a counterattack, just take the word, just take the blood, just pray in the Holy Ghost and cast down those imaginations and walk in the freedom that God has provided for you. Amen. Now, another area that we can experience freedom from is the freedom from tear and from the tyranny of bondage. Amen. In light of the times that we're living in, it's so important for us to realize that we are not to be terrorized. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 28, he said this, And in nothing be terrified or frightened by your adversaries, which is an evident token of perdition. What that means, it's a sign to them when you live a fearless life, it's a sign to them that their doomsday is coming. But oh, thank God, when you live free from tear and free from fear and free from bondage, it is a sign to you of your salvation that's current and of your salvation that is soon to come. Amen. Thank God we're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. We're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. We're declaring of the Lord that He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He is our God. And in Him we confidently trust. We declare that no evil is going to befall us. Neither is any plague going to come nigh our dwelling. Because He's given His angels charge over us. And what are they doing? They're twiddling their thumbs, right? No, they're keeping you. They're keeping me. They're keeping your loved ones. They're keeping our nation, amen, in all of our ways. Freedom from tear literally means no more bondage. I just want to remind you this morning that none of us have received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry what? Abba Abba, Father means daddy, daddy, amen. And so this cup of salvation in this cup of freedom is something that we talked about last week now let's look at the third cup this morning and that is this he said i will redeem you he spoke that to the children of israel he is speaking it to us today what this literally means is god will bring restoration to our lives he will rescue us but he will also bring us back. Amen. Now the word redeem there, when he says, I will redeem you, means this. I will buy you back. I will repurchase you. I will reclaim you. 
I will restore you and I will reset you. Amen. What this is saying to us, God brings us back to what he intended for us in the first place. I want to read a quick story. There was a young boy who worked hard creating a little sailboat. When the boat was painted and the sail was finished, he proudly carried the new boat to the edge of the river for its first launch. He carefully placed it in the water and slowly let out the string how smoothly the boat sailed. He sat in the warm sunshine admiring that little boat that he had built. But suddenly a strong current of wind caught the boat. And when he tried to pull it back to shore, the string broke. And the wind and and current carried and pushed the little boat downstream. And so the young boy ran along the shore and tried to get that boat back in. But the boat just kept going out and out and out. Finally, it got dark and he had to give up. Now, a few days later, he's in town. And on the way home from school, he spotted a boat just like this, just like his, in a little store window in a little pawn shop. When he got closer, he could see, oh, man, sure enough, that's my boat. That's my boat. And so he rushed into the store and he said, sir, he said, sir, that's my boat in your window. I made it. And the man said, I'm sorry, son. Someone else brought it in here a few days ago. If you want it, you're going to have to buy it. And so the little boy ran home and he had been working. He'd been mowing lawns and all sorts of things. And he had saved up his money and he had exactly enough money. And he rushed back into the store to buy his handmade toy. You see, he bought it back. And as he was taking the boat right in front of the store owner, he said, oh, oh, this is my boat. This is my boat. Now it's twice mine. And the owner was puzzled. I said, what do you mean twice yours? He said, I made it. It drifted it away and I bought it back. And my brothers and sisters, that that is what redemption is. He made us. Amen. Some of us drifted away, but thank God he bought us back. He bought us back. We're purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, another definition for freedom, when he says, I will free you, it also means to change for the better. It also means to reform. It means to repair and to restore. And I like this. To restore to its original intended purpose that we were created for. He not only saves you, He not only frees us, but he redeems us so you and I can walk in our designated, designed calling. How many of you know that there's a call of God on your life? Now, life can be difficult and may life may have altered. Life may have damaged some of you, but he will restore you. He's going to bring you back to your factory settings. God's got a plan for your life. So that you can make a big difference in the world. Our declaration is everyone that walks in these doors or everyone that is watching online, they're going to know God. Amen. And they're going to find freedom. And I prophesy over your lives, you're going to discover your purpose. So that you can make a big difference in the world. You and I are not just standing by. You and I are not on the sidelines. This bunch, our bunch, 
We're world changers. We're difference makers. Praise God. We're reaching way out beyond these walls. We're reaching over into Samoa. We're reaching over into Europe. We're reaching over into Africa. Come on, somebody. But we're also reaching into Oakland. We're reaching into Hayward. We are making a difference. When we come together corporately, we're not here to play church. We are the church of the living God. And the gates of hell will not prevail against a church that has purpose in their heart that we're going to make a difference. We're going to go into all the world. We're going to preach the gospel to every creature. Glory to God. And if we see a devil, we're going to cast it out. If we see the sick, we're going to lay hands on them and they're going to recover. We're difference makers. We're making a big difference. Hallelujah. Right here in the Bay Area. I know a lot of people think Brenda and I are crazy for pastoring in California for the last 39 years. Why would you want to pastor in California? My answer is, why wouldn't we want to? This is where we're called. This is where we're planted. And this is where together we are experiencing miracles. We are experiencing God showing up and doing a mighty harvest in the Bay Area. Come on, somebody shout with me today. He's got a plan for all of us to make a big difference, to use our God-given talents, to use our God-given gifts and our abilities. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 from the Message Translation. And I'd like for you to read it with me. Ready, read. It is in Christ and what we are living for Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Now stop right there. Point to your neighbor and say, he has his eye on you. Then point to yourself and say, he has his eyes on me. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on your behalf. Oh, I like that. And it was long before, long before, I mean, before you even received Jesus, he had his eye on you. He had his eye on some of you in that bar. He had his eyes on you, some of you in that, and I won't even fill in the blank. But his eyes were on you. And his eyes are still on you. And his eyes are not filled with judgment. When he looks at you, Raul, he doesn't look at Jesus and say, Oh, brother. No. His eyes are on all of us. You know what he sees? He sees the best. And you know what he believes? He believes the best. Hallelujah. His eyes are on us. Oh, just lift up your hands and thank him that his eyes, his eyes are on us. Glory to God. Amen. He had his eyes on us. 
had designs on us for what kind of living? And part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. This sounds to me like the will of God for you is he wants to make you fruitful. This sounds to me that he can bring us back to our original design and intention if we've gotten off track. Now, in this Sadar celebration, the Jews were extremely aware of the Abrahamic covenant. They were very, very keenly cognizant of the fact that when God spoke to Abram to get out of his country unto a land that I would show you, and in Genesis 12, 2, I want you to notice what God spoke to them. And he said, I will make of you what kind of a nation? And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make your name great. And you will be a curse. No, you will be a blessing. The Amplified says, you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. I'm going to bless you with an abundant increase of favors. So when they were having this celebration, they were very aware of the fact that God wanted to increase them. That God wanted to prosper them. And so as they partook of this cup of redemption, they were mindful of the fact of the blessing of God upon their lives. Well, as we talk about this cup of redemption today, I just want to remind you in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. That he was made a curse for you, for it's written, cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. And in verse 14, that the blessing of who? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, the same blessing that was upon Abraham are upon you. Say it with me, Abraham's blessings are mine. Now notice this in Galatians 3.29. Did you wear your shouting clothes today? In verse 29 it says, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. And what are we? We are, whoo, glory to God. We are heirs according to the promise. So he redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham might come upon our lives. You and I are heirs. What does that mean? It literally means that everything God promised to him belongs to us. Abraham's blessing is your inheritance. Now, once you get blessed and become aware that you are blessed, don't stop there. Be a blessing and dispense generosity and dispense goodness to everyone around you. Folks, that is part of your redemption. That is part of a life that is restored and that is enjoying freedom. That is part of your God-given potential to be generous and to be a blessing. So say with me, I am blessed to be a blessing. 
Now, many, many people do not feel as if they're living out their purpose. And I want to give you just a few reasons why. One reason is this, delusion. And what is delusion? Delusion is a false belief regarding self despite indisputable evidence to the contrary. You see it on television. Some of the reality TV shows. Some of the folks that want to be the American Idol are some of the folks that want to win the voice. They think they have a voice. They think they can sing, but they can't. And they get very upset when they're turned down. Why? Because they've been deluded. They have a false belief. In a world of selfies, let me ask you today, how's your self-worth? What do you think about yourself? I want to talk for just a moment about this delusion in reverse. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God thinks a whole lot more about us than we think about ourselves. He has got so much in store for our future. He's got so much in store for us than we've ever thought of or ever anticipated. In Ephesians 3.20, it says that God's able to do exceeding abundantly of all that we can ask or think. It's according to the power of God that works in us. Now, here's the delusion. The delusion is this. Sometimes we believe a lie. You know, Satan's a whooped, defeated foe. But he is a very persistent cuss. In one of his key roles, the Bible defines him as the accuser of who? Bringing his accusations consistently and persistently to the minds of God's people. He is a liar, but he's also an accuser. He's the father of lies. He'll tell us things like, you're not good enough. You're not skinny enough. You're too fat. You're not smart enough. You didn't go to Bible school. You're not this. You're not that. You'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to do that. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. What do you say you and I flip the script? And say, I am more than a conqueror. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am well able to go up and possess the land. I am a child of God. I am an heir of God. See, if we will look at ourselves the way that the Bible says we are, that will shut down and shut up the accuser of the brethren. 
Didn't Jesus do that? Didn't he model that for us? He was in the wilderness, tempted of the devil. After a 40-day fast, Satan came along and began to toy with him, bring accusations to him, if you're the son of God. If you're the son of God, I dare you to do this. I dare you to do that. How many of you know Jesus didn't have to do anything to prove himself to the devil that he was the son of God? All Jesus did was say, it is written. He flipped the script. It is written, thou shalt not tempt, and I like the way he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. (laughs) Because he knew that every knee was going to bow sooner or later. Flip the script on those lies going on in your soul. Flip the script. Oh, you'll never be out of debt. Flip the script and say, thank God all my debts are being reduced. All of my debts are being reduced and eliminated. Well, you'll never have a new car. Oh, flip that script. We're getting our lands. We're getting our buildings. We're getting our vehicles. Flip it. Amen. And don't try to flip it with transcendental meditation. Don't try to flip the script with going on some absolute crazy diet. How many of you know dieting is good? But some of us at our age, it's tough. Flip that script. Flip those lies. And you do it with the truth of God's Word. See, many people's self-image is based on all the verbiage from a fallen planet. But our Heavenly Father is saying to us this morning, it's time to come on up. It's time for you to realize that there's more in you that you've ever tapped into. I believe the Spirit of God is saying, I am for you, I am with you, and there is nothing impossible for you if you will just know that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Here's what we need to do, and I need to do this all the time. I need to remind myself that I'm loved by my Father. I need to remind myself that God loves me. Amen? We talk about how much we love God, and that's awesome. But once you get a revelation of how much God loves you, you will begin to see yourself through grace-filled eyes. Woo! Glory to God. Grace-filled eyes. Seeing yourself the way that He sees you. Here's what God sees. God sees you as His handiwork. He sees you as His workmanship. In Ephesians 2.10 it says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has before ordained, that what should we do? We should walk in them. Think about this. Before the foundation of the world, the master saw you as his masterpiece, as his handiwork. And he's put you and I on a path to greatness. God sees greatness. God sees potential. God sees prosperity in our life. And I'll say it again. God sees us as world changers. Listen very carefully. 
There is indisputable evidence right here in the Word of God about your potential. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't be deceived. Don't be deluded. Flip the script. God calls you His temple. He calls you justified. He calls you as a king and a priest. Meditate on that. Now another reason why a lot of people don't enter into their purpose is because they disqualify themselves. Self-disqualification. What does that mean? Well, we begin to look at our resume of the failures, of the things that we should have done that we haven't done. Let me remind you of a few Bible characters that had a really poor resume and God used them in spite of their past. Think about Moses. Moses killed a man. And yet God raised him up to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. How about Abraham? We just talked about Abraham's blessing. Well, Abraham slept with his maid trying to work things out for God. You're going to have a son. Okay, come on, baby. And so he slept with his maid. And what the maid produced was an Ishmael. Ishmael is a type of the work of the flesh. In Isaac shall your seed be. And Isaac was to come forth out of Sarah. In spite of all that, in spite of all that, God raised up Abraham as the father of many nations. There's hope for us yet. How about David? David, the king of Israel. He should have been out at war. He should have been on the front lines. Yet he's on the roof, twiddling his thumbs. And he looks over. And he sees Bathsheba. And he looks again. And he looks again. And next thing you know, Bathsheba's in the sack with him. And they had a son. But not only that, because David did not want Bathsheba's husband to find out about it, he sent his husband to the front lines where he knew he would be killed. Think about it. David, the giant slayer, was called a man after God's own heart. God does not look at the flesh. God looks at the heart. And God looks at the potential of each and every one of us. How about Paul? Paul used to be Saul of Tarsus. On the road to Damascus, God knocked the S out of his name and placed it with a P. I mean, Holy Ghost visitations will do that. Amen. We could talk about Paul all day long. He accused, he persecuted, he killed many in the body of Christ. And yet Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament. The Pauline revelation. Come on. God used him. You know what? God chooses the simple things and the simple people of this world. 
to confound the very wise. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and thank Him for that. Glory to God. So you can eliminate disqualification by knowing that you are qualified for an inheritance with God. And Paul prayed this for the church at Ephesus. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and to the riches of his glorious inheritance in God's holy people. And then thirdly, some people never enter in to their arena of being a blessing is because of diversions and delays and distractions. Maybe you have gotten off track. I'm going to say to you today, it doesn't matter what the detour has been. God will put you back on track. And it's, it's so easy for him. It's so easy for God to do that. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I thought I'd be further along. I thought, you know, the call of God on my life, I thought, it, you know, I thought we'd already be, you know, well into it. Listen, friend, God never changes his mind about you. Remember, he's got his eye on you. And don't think for one minute, minute, just because you have not entered into the arena of the fullness of your call, that God has changed his mind. His eyes are on you. Praise God. If you've been delayed, it's not over. Delays are not denials. If you've gotten off track, guess what? There is a way back. And his name is Jesus. Everyone say Jesus three times. Jesus, Jesus. If you go to SFO and you get on a jet today and you want to go to L.A., and you up and end up in Reno? Guess what? You got on the wrong jet. But the good news, there's a jet in Reno that's going to LA in a half hour, and you're going to make it to LA. You've been delayed, but delays are not denials. You don't just sit there in Reno at the airport feeling sorry for yourself. I wonder why God did this. God didn't do it. You did it. Right? I mean, sometimes we just need to own up to the fact that we have not been everything we need to be and done everything we need to do. But God! Look at your neighbor and says, if you've gotten off track... There is a way back. Now I want to look at another verse in Romans chapter eleven twenty nine. How many of you give me just about five more minutes? One, two, three. Okay. That's an old Mario Murillo trick. The Latin laser. Romans 11, verse 29. I want you to read this with me. Ready, read. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they're given. And he does not change his mind 
about those to whom he gives his grace to those who sends his call. One translation says this. Listen to this. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled and never rescinded. God will not cancel you like culture will. Paul experienced delays. He said at one time, he says, you know, there's a great door of utterance that's open to me, Jim. There's a great door of utterance, but he says, there's many adversaries. How many of you have found out and found the door to go through, but also discovered there's adversaries all around you? Don't give up just because the adversaries are around you Keep pressing, keep pushing, keep moving. The very fact that adversaries have been sent to come against you means that God must have a glorious plan for you. Now notice this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. And we're going to look at this in the NLT. Notice this with me. We wanted, this is Paul speaking to the church of Thessalonica, We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, he said, I tried again and again. But notice this statement, but Satan prevented us. What this means is he blocked his way. He impeded us. He prevented us. He impeded us by putting something in our way. You know, folks, if I would have quit... Every time there was a delay, there would be so many things that would not have happened in Brenda's life and my life. If we'd have quit because there were delays even about this building, we may be meeting in a park this morning. If we'd have quit, and if you'd have quit, you would not have received the reward. And folks, there's always going to be resistance. It's the nature of this world system. But if you won't quit, if you'll keep moving, if you won't give up, you'll be, he, he will not be able to stop you. He will not be able to prevent you. You may not get there next Saturday, but if you keep moving, If you keep walking by faith and not by sight, if you'll just keep praising, if you'll just keep dancing, if you'll just keep shouting, if you'll just keep your eyes on the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, if you'll just keep it up, praise God, sooner or later, that resistance is going to back down and it's going to back off and you're going to enter into your wealthy place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pastor Hagen, a great, great pastor, Kenneth e. Hagen's son, Pastor Hagen, Rhema Bible Training Center, sends me a text every Sunday morning. One of his famous sayings is this, I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. If the devil can't get you to quit, he can't defeat you. One person said it this way, if he can't scare you, He can't stop you. 
And this is what our attitude should be as we partake of this cup of redemption. Our attitude should be, I'm getting on with life. I'm not going to allow myself to be discouraged. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm not quite there yet. All my goals aren't realized yet, but I'm still moving. How many of you are still moving? How many of you are still pressing? How many of you are avoiding the ditches? How many of you, by the power of God, are resilient by the resurrection power of Jesus? Well, let's stand up and do some praise in that right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. I'd like to be further along than I am, but I'm grateful today for where I am. But where I am is not where I'm staying. I'm moving on. I'm moving. Who go with me? How many of you, none of us have arrived, but we're on our way, right? Come on, somebody. We're on our way. We're moving, right? We're on our way. We're on our way. God's going to restore to many of you some things that the enemy has stolen from you this last year. He thought he's won. He's thought he's defeated you. But you've got the spirit of faith in you. And you're still believing. You're still declaring. You're still shouting. You're still praising. And sooner or later, praise God, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. Let's raise our hands and say, we're going to make it. We're going all the way here. At heart of the bay. We're going all the way. At heart of the bay. Well, praise God. Did you get anything out of this today? Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Woo, glory to God. And if you're watching this morning, we just want to encourage you in the Lord. God loves you so much. We love you. And we're praying for you. And we're believing for God's very best for you. God's best comes by, first of all, making a decision to receive God's best. And that's Jesus. So let's all put our hands over our heart. And let's invite the King of glory to come in. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, you're the Son of God. You died for me. And you were raised from the dead on my behalf. I invite you now into my heart. And I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of the living God. I'm a child of God. I'm now an heir of God. I have a purpose in life. Hallelujah. God's raised us up. In Jesus' name. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please text that number and let us know. Brenda, do you have anything to add to this? Are you good? Man, you had an unction on the transition. That was so good. It is good being in church today. The hallelujah. I said hallelujah. You know, when Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they threw palms on the streets. Because those palms signified triumph. It was a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now many people were looking for him to come on a horse. A horse represents a king of war.
Many people were looking for him to come and straighten things out in the Roman Empire. But Jesus came on a donkey. And the donkey represents peace. He came as the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Now one day, he will come on a white horse. We could call it Air Horse One. That's in the book of Revelation. Oh, my brothers and sisters, he's coming soon. But right now, he's the Prince of Peace. Everyone say, Shalom, Shalom. I think we ought to praise him before we go. Praise the Lord. Amen. We have overcome. Hallelujah.